Amen. We've had a, uh, a great day so far, and I want to say uh, first as, as a pastor, um, parent aside for a moment, that what a blessing it is to have so many children and so many parents stand before you, uh, stand before the Lord and say, we have a desire and a longing uh, that, that my child would grow up and walk with the Lord. And that's what this morning and what we've done is about. And uh, as a as a pastor, that's that's a blessing and a, and a privilege to walk alongside. And, and also, uh, as a parent uh, standing standing up here, I realize uh, how great a responsibility that is as well. And uh, if you're a, a parent, then obviously you perhaps know what I mean and, and what I feel. And uh, it came to mind this quote that's attributed to the great German pastor Diedrich Bonhoeffer. He said this. It is from God that parents receive their children, and it is to God that they should lead them. Children are a blessing from the Lord, according to Psalm 127. We receive our children from Him, and then it's our turn in in that respect that we would lead them back to Him. And uh, I want to share with you some some ways we might do that this morning. Uh, The title of the message is The Dedicated Family. The dedicated family. We had baby dedication here, but uh, I believe it's the Lord's call that all families be dedicated unto Him. And the greatest calling and the primary calling of all parents in all places and of all time is to lead their children to the Lord. And this is what we've meant, meant by the dedication that we've had this morning. And I think we all know what dedication is. Um, to be dedicated in one sense, there's two senses to the words that I want to draw our attentions to. Uh, the first is, to be dedicated is to be committed to something, right? Dedication equals commitment. But at the same time, to dedicate something means that we commit something, right? So in one sense, it's an ad- attitude, and another sense, it's an action. It's something that we have, and it's something that we give, to dedicate, and we've meant both definitions this morning. We are in one sense saying we are giving our children over to the Lord, but at the same time as parents, we are saying that we are dedicated to make sure that it happens. That's what we've meant by dedication this morning. Parents, Beth and I included, have all stood before you and stood before the Lord today, and we have said we are committing our children to the Lord. We are dedicating them to God. We are giving our children to Him. However, if we are going to commit them over to them, we have to be dedicated and committed ourselves to make sure that it happens. Uh, a, a dedication, a commitment that, that, that makes sure that it gets done. And, and the premise of that is this, dedication is not something that just happens. It's not something that happens. It must be intentional and it must be purposeful. Some people have adapted a let go and let God attitude. We don't have that with our children. We must be intentional and we must be purposeful. Do we believe in the Lord's power? Absolutely we do. The parent's responsibility is to lead them there. To lead them there. And it's my prayer and it's my hope that our families are dedicated families. Dedicated families happen on purpose, not by accident. 
And I don't just mean the families that stood up here today. I mean all families present that claim Jesus Christ as Lord. Members and guests, the question is this. Ask yourself this question. Is my family a dedicated family? Is my family a dedicated family? Is yours a family that is continually giving themselves over to Jesus on purpose? You've heard several scriptures this morning that Brother Michael shared, and I'm appreciative of him and and his dedication to be a part of the dedication service. And so my time this morning is a bit limited. Uh, I'm not going to preach as long as I usually do. Amen. There's a couple. I was expecting a few. All right. So we're not going to preach as long as we usually do. Uh, we'll pick that. We'll go double time next week to make up for this week. All right. But you've already heard. You've heard several scriptures this morning, and there'll be one particular that we've already heard that I will bring our attention back to. But we do want to take time and consider what makes a dedicated family. What makes a dedicated family? And there are two quick things that I would turn our attention to this morning. And before we get into those, I would ask that you would bow with me and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are thankful for family. We're thankful that family is by your design. Family is not something that we invented, it's something that you created. We see it in the garden before sin. In fact... Family is the only thing that we have in this present world as it is that's not been affected by the fall. Lord, family was your institution in the garden and it remains to this day. But Lord, we do realize that family has been touched by the fall. We see it in the brokenness in our own families. Lord, we do want to lift up moms on this Mother's Day. We, we don't want to forget them. We want to bring them to you. We pray for those that, that today is a happy day. Lord, and we pray for those that today is a hard day. Perhaps some have lost moms. Perhaps some have lost children. Lord, we want to pray your presence be felt. We want to lift them specifically up to you today. Pray that you would be with them. Lord, now we want to turn our attention to your word and we want to see what is it that makes a dedicated family. Would you be with us? Would you speak through your word in the power of your spirit? Help our hearts give us ears to hear, Lord, and eyes to see as Jesus prayed. And we pray this in his name. Amen. The first thing I want you to see this morning about a dedicated family is that dedicated families are dedicated to the Bible. I want to ask you to turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1. The dedicated family is dedicated to the Bible. In 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul is writing to his young protege, Timothy. And Timothy is his right-hand man. He's his own son in the faith, he's described in other parts of Scripture. And in fact, when you read the letters of Paul in the New Testament, about half of them, uh, Paul writes that they were kind of co-authored along with Timothy. Timothy is his man. Timothy is his guy. 
And he's writing the book of Timothy, 2 Timothy, the letter, as Timothy has now, he's a pastor at this point, and he's pastoring a church. And Paul writes to him. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, I want to show you in verse 5 something that I think is very significant as we consider Mother's Day. He says, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Paul declares as he opens his letter, his thankfulness for Timothy's sincere faith. We see that in verse 3. He says, I thank God whom I serve. And he's continuing his thankfulness and he gets to verse 5 and he says, I'm thankful for your faith. I'm thankful that you had a faithful grandma and I'm thankful that you've had a faithful mom. Do you see that in verse 5? He's thankful for Lois and he's thankful for Eunice. And now he says, I'm thankful for your sincere faith that your grandmother and also your mother have both had. And now we need to talk about what is sincere faith. It means genuine. It means unwavering. Literally, in Greek, it means without hypocrisy. You're sincere. You're not being a hypocrite. And he says, Timothy, you are genuinely following the Lord. You sincerely love the Lord Jesus. And it's not an act. It's not a put on for other people around you to see. It's the real thing. You know, in ancient Greek uh, literature or, or performance and arts, a hypocrite was an actor. It was someone who would stand on a stage and wear a mask and pretend to be someone else. That's what hypocrites are by definition, and that's the sense Paul would be writing. Or Paul would be writing this about Timothy's faith. He says, "You do not have on a mask. It's real." It's not something that you pull on and put on when you need it for other people to see you. It's the real thing. It's genuine. It's sincere. But I want you to notice, who does Paul say has had the most influence on Timothy? The first thing to see is it's not Paul. You might be thinking, well, well, as as Paul's right-hand man, as his disciple, as his protege, then it's, It's Paul who's responsible for Timothy's sincere faith. His influence on Timothy is why he has sincere faith. It's not what he says, is it? Who is it that has had the most influence on Timothy's faith? His family. His family. His grandmother and his mother. Moms, I want to tell you something very clearly this morning. Your ministry matters. And despite what you think or despite what other people think, motherhood is a ministry. It's a divine calling, I believe, from the Lord. And it's a ministry. So much so that, that the guy that, that Paul was grooming to sort of even take over his ministry credits that man's faith to his family, to his mom, and to his grandmother. In other words, we can say this. Timothy grew up to follow and love Jesus because he saw how it was done at his house. He saw how it was done at his grandmother's. 
He saw how it was done in his living room. He saw how it was done because of the faith of family. Now you may ask yourself this question. What was it that Eunice did? That should be a burning question within every parent that wants to to pass on sincere faith into their children. To every grandparent that wants to uh, pass along sincere faith into their grandchildren. What was it she did that had such a profound effect on Timothy? We get the answer in 2 Timothy chapter 3, right? Same letter, same author, same recipient, same ideas. And we come to verses 15 through 16. And we have the most famous scriptures in the Bible about the nature of scripture itself. Right? You know it. All Scripture is breathed out by God or by inspiration of God, depending on your translation. But what goes unnoticed, I believe, is one little word in verse 15. And I want to point your attention there. He says this, And how from childhood do you see it? From childhood you have been what? acquainted with the sacred writings. And then he says this about those writings. They are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Let's read verse 17. That the man of God may be complete. That means lacking nothing. Equipped for every good work. What was it that Eunice did that had such a profound effect on Timothy's faith? They were dedicated to acquainting Timothy with the sacred writings. They were dedicated in their home to teaching him the Scriptures. To making sure that he knew them. Timothy was acquainted, and I don't want you to, to, to think that that means that he was introduced to them but didn't know them very well. That's not what the word indicates. The, 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 the word indicates that he was taught. That he was taught. Guess what? Teaching happens on purpose. It's intentional. He was intentional in their home that Timothy was going to know the sacred writings. Timothy's family was a dedicated family because they were dedicated to the Bible. They were dedita- dedicated to the Scriptures. Now, let's, I think Timothy, or, or Paul goes on to, to answer some questions because maybe, maybe you have this mindset. What's the big deal about the Bible? Got books? Sit on the shelf? The Bible sits there along with them? What's the big deal about the Bible? First of all, it's not just another book. It's no ordinary book. In fact, Paul makes that very clear, right? What does he call them? Sacred. Set apart. Holy. They are the sacred writings. They're from God. There is word. In fact, he says in verse 16, to clarify what he means by sacred, that they are breathed out by God. Now, what does that mean? 
Well, you may notice as I'm speaking, I'm what? I'm breathing out. I'm losing air from my lungs. That's the idea here. Paul says that the Scriptures were spoken by God. What that means is this. When we come to the Bible, we are reading something that God has said. That He has spoken. That He has revealed Himself in. It's what He has to say to us. It's what this book is. And I want you to see in verse 15 what this book does. What does He say? Which are able to make you wise for salvation through Jesus Christ. Parents, I got a question for you. Do you desire your child to be saved? Do you have a desire that they would come to faith and trust in Jesus and turn away from their sin? I pray you do. In fact, Charles Spurgeon said this about parents. He said, if you are a professing Christian but cannot say that you have no greater joy than to see the conversion of your children, then you have reason to question whether you ought to have made such a profession at all. He says, parents, if you don't have a desire to see your children come to know the Lord, then you might ought to ask yourself if you know Him. You might not know Him. So the question, do you have a desire to see your child come to faith in Jesus Christ? How do you do it? The sacred writings. They are able to make your child wise unto salvation and put their faith in Jesus Christ. Parents, if you're going to have a dedicated family, you got to be dedicated to His Word. You may know it all too well. I suspect if you've been a parent for any time at all, you do. Or you may not know it well enough, but I want you to hear from my lips this morning. Your child is a sinner. And some of you know it. (laughs) And some of you, you needed to hear that. Because all of us, when we get to the right age, the knowledge of God is going to fill our hearts and our minds according to Romans chapter 1. And our response to that knowledge is going to be to say no. And we will exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. It it has happened in your heart and it will happen in the heart of your child. And if you want them to turn away from that, it's through the Scriptures. It is the Scriptures that make wise unto salvation. There's not a single person born knowing Jesus Christ. And I want to say this as well. It's not even your faith that can save them. If you notice, Paul in chapter 1, he says, I'm thankful for your faith that your grandma and your mom had, but guess what? He still said it's whose faith? His. His. we got to be dedicated 
to his word. You, you know, if you know that your child is a sinner, read the next part of chapter 16. After he says all scriptures breathed out by God, what does he say? It is profitable for teaching and for reproof. You know what that means? That's discipline. <laughs> then he says for correction when they do wrong and for training in righteousness. If you're having trouble from your kid and he needs reproof and correction, it's the scriptures. It's the scriptures. You know, you can command your words hold weight with your child, and that's one thing. But it's another thing when your words are the word of God. Dedicated families dedicated to the scriptures. That's the first thing. What's the next thing? Last thing. The dedicated family must be dedicated to having a Christian home. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. This is where we did see a, a portion of this in baby dedication service. Uh, Brother Michael did read it. And lastly and quickly, but I would even say most importantly, the dedicated family must be dedicated to having a dedicated home. <clears throat> when I was in youth ministry, I did youth ministry for about six years. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are now. I've been out of the game. I'm going to call it the game for a little over a year, I guess. Uh, but I was really interested with some research that was coming from the Barna group. Okay, And, and Barna was doing studies... And they came out a few years ago uh, saying that somewhere around 85% of kids that are raised in church, when they go to college, they leave. And they don't come back. 85%. So obviously, as a pastor to youth, that was very concerning for me, right? And I knew the short time I had with them needed to be significant. But the study goes on to say and think about, well, what about the 15%, right? A lot gets said about the 85%, rightfully so, but the researchers ask the question, what about, what was it about the 15% that stuck? And it was this. The ones that stayed after high school, the ones that continued to follow Jesus were the ones whose parents made, a faith, made faith a priority at home. Without doubt, they said the number one connection was that faith wasn't just for Sundays. It was for every day that ends in Y. All of them. For the ones that stayed faithful on the course. And so I want to read Deuteronomy 6 to you, verses 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house. And when you walk by the way and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. 
You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So now if we were to to just back up from that passage and ask the question, what's the main purpose? What's the big idea behind this passage? Well, it's obviously verses 4 and 5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Right? In fact, when Jesus is asked by a scribe in the New Testament, uh, uh, Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment in all the law? Where does he point them to? Right here, Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. And the second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two. Okay, That's Jesus' answer. So the point of the passage is that we would love God with our heart, with our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our might. We love Him above all things and with everything. Now, the focus of the passage, right? it tells us what we should do or what we need to do, and then it tells us how we do it. What was the main thing? Keeping these words at all times on our heart. Keeping His words at all time on our heart. So much so that He says in verse 7, that you shall teach these words diligently to your children. To your children. Now for our purposes, I want to point you to where this is happening. Okay? Because I think... For most of us, when we think, where is the place that people are taught how to love God? Where's the first place you think? Church. Where does Deuteronomy 6 say? Your house. It's your house. In your home. At your kitchen table. On your couch. In your bedroom. Teaching them to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your might. This isn't happening in a community context. And what I mean by that is is parents in Deuteronomy 6 are not told to gather your children up and take them to the synagogue. They're not told to gather up and go to the temple. That's a good thing to do. That's not what I'm saying. But the primary place Children are taught to love the Lord your God is in our homes. It's when we sit, when we leave. Did you notice that? When you sit in your house, teach them. When you leave your house, teach them. When you go by the way, teach them. When you lay down in your house, teach them. When you rise up in your house, teach them. On the doorposts to your home, teach them. On your gates, teach them. I don't know about you, but there's not a lot of places that that don't cover at my house. It happens in the home. The family that is dedicated to the Lord has a home dedicated to His ways. And I don't know that that most of our families think this way. In fact, I would reverse it and say it this way. I think most of the thinking about teaching children to love the Lord is not in dedicated homes, but relegated homes. I want to tell you what I mean by that. You know what it means when something's relegated? It means that it's dismissed. That it's put into a secondary position. Here's the main point. It's inferior. 
When something's relegated, it's viewed as inferior to something else. A relegated home would be one that thinks that for the spiritual formation of my family, then it's the church I take them to. You see that? The church has become the dedicated place and the home is now relegated. It's behind the church. What does the Scripture say? The home is the dedicated place. Everything we do here is secondary. Everything we do here is supplemental. Supplemental. It is in the home. For the relegated home, as Jesus happens at church, real life happens at home. We may not say that out loud, but it's what we practice. The dedicated family doesn't relegate their home. I've quoted Spurgeon once, I'll quote him again. He says, the home is the grandest of all institutions. You may be taken back by that and say, even the church, you better believe it. You better believe it. Why? It's God's design. God has designed the family and He has designed the home to be the primary means by which children are trained in the faith. Church is supplemental. Youth ministry is supplemental. Children's ministry is supplemental. VBS is supplemental. The real training is in the home. And parents, I want, I want to point you to something. One of the biggest lies our culture has told you is that your kids receive so much more influence away from you. That they are going to listen to what's on TV, on the radio, in movies, whatever. They're friends even before they listen to you. This same study asked teens who had walked away, Who's the number one influences on your life? And without question, overwhelmingly, around 90%, the kids said, my parents. My parents. Don't buy into the lie. Don't believe it. There's no one more influential in the lives of your kids than you. Do you see your home this way? I pray you do. There's nothing more important. You know, as we think about how to respond, I'm just about done. On this Mother's Day, here's the question. Would you simply be a dedicated family to the Lord? Would you say with Joshua 24, what does he say there? As for me and my house... We will serve the Lord. Maybe that should be your prayer this morning. A committal. A dedication. That as for me and my house, we're going to be, we're going to be dedicated to the Scriptures. We're going to be dedicated to the Bible. We're going to be dedicated to having a distinctively Christian home. You know, one of the more convicting things I've ever been asked, and, and 
I'll, I'll be the first to admit to you now that I don't do this as well as I should. It don't happen as well as it should. But one of the more convicting things I've ever been asked or, or told, and, and I want to put it to you as we're, talk, we're asking about dedicated families and homes. I was asked one time, Cody, if, if someone was to simply view, live with your family for one week, live in your home, would they walk away from your home saying that is a distinctively Christian family? They do things in their home unbelievers don't do. And you may say, I love my kids. Unbelievers love their kids too. They tuck them in at night, they cook them dinner, and they kiss them on the forehead. I'm not asking you, do you love them? I'm asking, are they dedicated? Are they dedicated? Would an unbeliever walk in your home and for a whole week say, I ain't never seen anything like that. Never seen somebody live their life in this way. If not, then your prayer needs to be, Lord, make me this. Make my home this. Dedicate us to your ways. Let's pray. Oh, we come before you now. And Lord, I pray we're humbled. As a parent, it's the only attitude I know in response to this. Lord, that you give us a weighty responsibility. But Lord, you promise to help us. You promise to equip us. First of all, through your son, Jesus, who gives us new life when we come to know him, when we turn from our sin. And then second of all, by your Holy Spirit that you send into our lives, you fill us with to walk by and to live by and to give us the tools we need. We thank you for the word that you've revealed to us. Lord, that that we're not resourceless. We have the sacred writings, the scriptures that make us wise to salvation, the scriptures that reprove and correct and train us in righteousness, Lord, that we might be complete. Would you help us to be dedicated families on this Mother's Day? Lord, being a dedicated family is the only surefire guarantee that that once we die, what we love lives on. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.